This podcast was recorded on March 18th, 2020. このポッドキャストは2020年3月18日にレコードしました。Hey everybody, welcome to Less Stupid with Thomas Huda, a show that's completely uncut, uncensored, and unbelievably excited to have another Asian on the show. Finally. Would you like to introduce yourself, my friend? I'd be happy to. And thank you very much for having me here. This is a great opportunity to show that not only are people in this community people of color. Hey! Hey! <laughs> But we're,、uh, we're active. Yeah. We're here. We're、yes. not going away. And so. I like that. Some of the most exciting parts about. This new social media, about this new media that we can bring over the internet and the airwaves, is that、mm-hmm. while it's not as filtered or polished or as pretty as some others, right? We can still hear those voices that are most important. I like how I said we got Asians on the show, and you're like, it's not as pretty as other people. <laughs>、uh, well, no, I mean, I, mean the, I mean, the filtering, and I mean, definitely. Like, I know. There's a whitewashing and a lightening of skin tones on、mm. a lot of post processing videos. Ah. Which is. I mean, you know, that's why I was a big fan of the Disorient Asian American Film Festival.、Mm. That's one of the first spaces I was actually able to embrace my API identity. I'm all、I、like, love it. wow, there's a lot of these tropes and reflections of societal bias and prejudice that I have internalized. Yeah, absolutely. And while I was trying to work through some of that stuff, right, it was just like, man. This is where I got most of it from.、Mm. Oh, dominant culture. <laughs> We have been、uh, <laughs> a marginalized group here in Oregon, in the US, for, since, we've, since we came over here, essentially. I came over here in 1995, but if I you know, had been here in the 40s and 50s, it wouldn't have been the best. <laughs> but、uh, hey, are we in a post racial society, Matthew? We can't ever be in a post racial society as long as we don't have discussions about what race is,、mm. as opposed to people having to throw up, I'm not racist.、Sure. And then there's, I mean, there's so many other things that go along with that same vein. Oh, well, that person's nice. You know,、okay. well, they can still be racist, right? Yeah. And so there's way too much deflection right now. Yeah. And so talking about post racism is ridiculous because、mm-hmm. the thinking that we can. Deprogram all、mm-hmm. of that bias、mm-hmm. quick enough that is still centuries being built. Sure. I mean, it, it's still <laughs> centuries、oh, being、yeah. built. And so, yeah, I mean, it's being reified all the time.、Um, how, how's a, this is a question I'd love to ask you. And I haven't explicitly said this, but you're a fellow mayoral candidate. So, this is exciting.、Um, it's funny. I introduced you as, hey, I've got an Asian on the show instead of like, this motherfucker's running for mayor and wants to be the leader of the city of Eugene government. That's dope. Oh, I think、um, the feeling is mutual, sir. Hey. Hey. All right. I love it too because I'm only half too and I still get that, that love, that full Asian love. Well, I mean, it's neat, right? Like, my boy. Try to keep that close to your mouth.、Totally. Sorry. I mean, it's pretty neat. My boy, he's,、um, he definitely looks mixed, right?、Mm-hmm. And while I don't want to go into it too much, I'm very much identified as being Asian.、Mm-hmm. And、um, I'm not really, which is the funniest part, right?、Ah, okay, and so, I mean, the thing about adoptedness, you know? And so、okay. that's why that idea of, but wait, but I am. Okay. <laughs> right?、Mm. That's why we have to. I talked to, with somebody,、uh, with Robert Patterson on the show about, like,、um, you know, how can we identify if a person is white? Well, 
you should ask them. Self-identifying is essential if we're, if we're really trying to get at, you know, what a person's identity is. Um, but I also said, if you don't identify as white, you have to have a pretty damn good reason not to. Because, uh, I mean, like, sometimes there's a comedian who said, like, you ask a white person for what their racial background is, and they'll give you a math equation. It's like, oh, I'm 116th, <laughs> you know, Scandinavian, like, Norwegian, but then, like, oh, like, a quarter German-Irish on my grandparents' side, you know, my grandfather's side. So, yeah. yeah they're, 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 but race is a totally constructed thing. Definitely a lot to say about that. Yeah. I mean, the construct of white, mm-hmm. for instance. And the folks that are needing to take more pride in that vocally, as opposed mm. to ones that dog whistle it from positions of power. Okay. So that way they couldn't really be called out for it, if that makes sense, right? Mm, like, what? No, they didn't say that. But they said this, this, and this. <laughs> that, I mean, <laughs> right? Aristotle, y'all, he's someone that happened, right? That is still, <laughs> his theories are still happening. And so yeah. it's ridiculous that people don't have the ability to see through that Mm. which is the problem of going immediately with judging by that label Mm. which is why one of my main things is i don't i don't want to ask people Mm -hmm. one of the only ways i can see getting Mm post-racial is by not engaging directly and confrontationally okay because i did that for a little bit just vocally saying hey no that's that's racist you Uh shouldn't be doing that okay did you really just what Okay. And so it made me feel better for sure. Mm. <laughs> because it was like ridiculous instances, right? Mm. Like, oh my gosh. I mean, one fun one, right? Uh, just recently um, mm. from a person in the community was saying like, yeah, well, you know, the uh, the Chinese will inherit the earth. And it's all like, <laughs> oh, what? why would you say that? You're like, well, the meek, right? The meek will inherit the earth. Oh my it, gosh. It's a verse, right? <laughs> I'm like, what? Why are you calling the Chinese? I mean, there's a lot of money in China. Right. But I mean, with this connotation, because beyond that. Yes. After I'm asking, like, did you call China meek? Chinese people meek? He said. These motherfuckers have never seen a Bruce Lee or a Jet Li film. (laughs) The yellow race will inherit the earth. Yeah. Is what he brought it back to. Ah. Because that is the root of that. Okay. That got translated later to meek, right? Hmm. And so. That's that's biblical. We're talking Bible. Okay. And so this fellow that's very proud of trumping his identity uh, okay. around okay. bust that out okay and like i i could have i should have handled that a lot better right hmm. well i th- i do think that if you are looking to there's kind of two different ways that you can you can confront racism and, or, and a person who is expressing racist ideas one is to come from trying and it's it's not always possible to come from such a place of love that it's really clear that you know you talked to me before but who started the podcast about behavior and changing the behavior and changing the beliefs and it's really rare that you can change someone's opinion by using the second option which is maybe it's it's viewed as a righteous sort of love as well but um there's an element of like i am just gonna attack your side and I am morally righteous on this issue, and so you have to listen to me. And, you know, if it happens on Twitter, it's got that performance element, too. You know, it's like, I'm going to get likes, I'm going to get re- retweets and shares for this performed opinion that maybe I do have, but it's I know it's going to be popular within my circle. And so I don't know that that really pushes people to to accept those beliefs more. 
I don't know. It's a it's a it's a vigorous debate, right? Because am I tone policing now? What do Not you think? at all. Okay. I've I went into this kind of hopefully bridging the idea that both responses and both actions, especially by classically marginalized and oppressed communities, mm. are completely justified. Okay. Especially by them, by what they have felt. And okay. so that's one thing I really want to push an acknowledgement of. Hmm. What I mean about not having, if folk can not have to be confrontational about it, getting to the root of racism as it has been enacted, as it has been indoctrinated century after century. Yeah, and racism that is, is powerful. Implicit <laughs> it persists. Bias. Well, implicit yeah, bias. Of course. And then that gets echoed through through legislation that people are like, oh, sure. yeah, well, actually, that does sound like a good idea because I hear this, this, and this about people that I never interact with. Mm-hmm. And that's very much a reason why, actually, if we can bring it back a moment, I'm running mm. for mayor. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I think you are, too, so that way we can try to engage the voices, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not going to put any words in your mouth is my thing, right? I'm not going to say, <laughs> his campaign is about... You know, I'm running a campaign where, I, you know, you've got these great stickers and I don't know if I'll even be able to print stickers um, because I'm not even taking any donations and uh, my personal funds are very limited. If I if somebody gets on the ballot to challenge the, the incumbent mayor in the November ballot, I think that person should get our support. Uh, I, and I think that we should uh, give money to them if they want money. We should we should volunteer. We should knock on doors if it's safe to at that point, you know. Um, but that's just what I believe. And so, you know, I'm hoping that, that that'll be me, but if it's you or some, one of the other five challengers, that would be exciting because I mean, come on, dude. I mean, look at the political establishment that exists here in Eugene and look at the fact that the, the voter turnout for the two elections is much higher when the presidential candidates from both parties are on the ballot, right? Um, May is a late primary, and there's a good chance that the the primary is going to be sealed in terms of Biden or or Bernie, you know, by then. So we have a chance of having a tiny voter turnout in the race that ultimately decides who the mayor is. I personally wish, because for people who don't know, it's a top two primary um, in the nonpartisan race, so it's not like a D or R on the ballot, but they take the top two people in May and run them off in November. But that is only the case if nobody gets more than 50% of the vote in May. And that's what happened in 2016. So people look at the ballot and they think, what's going on? They only have one person and the option to write someone in, which of course could never win, theoretically. You know, uh, I, I can't think of any write-in campaign that's ever succeeded. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I just want people to have more of a choice. I, if, if we could amend the, the, the charter or something... There were five candidates in 2016. Yes. Mike Clark, Scott Landfield, and mm-hmm. so even... Stefan Streck, Bob Cassidy, and Lucy Vinnis. And so, yeah, definitely, because Lucy Vinnis did get that 50% threshold. Yes, she got 52. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so... Yeah. So it was locked up. And you... you, you, ha- you I feel like it's a disproportionately... This is why I talk about the establishment, right? And some people actually, you know, who are a part of these groups that I've been peripherally a part of, they don't like uh, this anti-establishment rhetoric because their perspective on it is like... Yeah, we've been the orga- we've been organized. We've been doing this work. So, are you going to knock us because we are established in in what we do and we have our our mechanisms well in place? And it's like that's not my intention. My intention is to expose and recognize how that creates an outgroup, 
That creates an outgroup, and the everyday average Eugenians, mostly working class folks, they're not involved and engaged in what's going on on all these micro levels of politics because there's the federal, state, county, and city stuff. So who's really going to be paying that much attention to the, the city council meetings, blah, blah, blah. And I want to engage those people more. I like what you said about new media, et cetera. Um, we jumped into race right away, which I think is great because I think I wish people were more comfortable talking about race. We need to be, if there's any type of venue, to put our voices and our faces out there. Because the majority is not the majority, as we've mm. been told. And so, yeah. please, y'all, embrace that. Yeah. Run with it. Swag. Uh, I still say swag. Deal with it. Um, <laughs> but the reason I mentioned we jumped straight into race is because I, I like to lead these... <laughs> I like to lead these chats that I have with people by asking, what's a controversial opinion you have about anything? Of course, race is already seen as controversial, so I, I let it run for a while. But uh, this could be about anything. I know that you have a long history of being involved in various political causes. I can um, even go deeper into race if y'all would like. I'll even, I mean, yeah. I, we sorry. can. We can do it. We can do it later. But we, but you know, no. if you know, I know that people don't tune in for all that long. So, so I want to let, let's let's go somewhere else. I'm a racist. I'm a racist because I want us to not talk about race for more than 13 minutes. That. The controversial candidate, Uke, what does he believe? I mean, that's a weird place to put it. That kind of, I feel, discredits a lot of the discussions that need to happen. Okay. Because there's a lot of dismissiveness when folks try to bring up questions about what is considered normal, what is considered I mean, what, what is established? What is establishment? Okay. And so anything that deflects from questioning and calling that out, I definitely feel only helps strengthen and entrench established ideas that I'm really hoping to change. Hmm. And established sentiment and reactionary rhetoric that has been plaguing everything we need to do for each other because wow. we all know it right i mean like when you talk to people like that same basic basic desire is there and it's just hard for them to understand where each individual is coming from okay and then to acknowledge what that took what I hear you saying is something I'm, I might push back on a little bit because you said, we all know it, right? Everybody's looking for, I don't know, that same push or something. And the thing that concerns me about society is it's becoming increasingly clear what other people don't believe or don't share in terms of our, my beliefs. Like, I know uh, a lot of what you believe in, but I also, you know, know that, you know, you kind of... Uh, equated like the American flag and the Confederate flag. When somebody's like flying a American flag on the back of a pickup truck, you basically said on Facebook that, you know, you know that they wish that they were flying the, cons the Confederate flag or something. And so for me, I see that and I'm like, I don't agree because historically those flags were opposed to each other and they, they do have very different meanings. Um, but I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I think what I might agree with is that everybody wants escape from some of the same kinds of pain in the world 
people tend to want what's best for their own families. They love their families. Um, and we do end up in very different approaches of how to regulate on a policy level or elect the right people or just do the right things in the community that sustain what we think is good. Um, there's a big, big socialism versus capitalism debate in the country right now. That wasn't really the case for a while because, I mean, some have demonized, some have said anybody running on the left is a socialist, you know, which is just not true. Obama is pretty much a corporatist, in my opinion, you know. The left has definitely moved from the center mm. and not in the direction that a so lot toward of... toward the center or like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, okay. moved from the center to the right, sorry. Not even more uh, toward the left, uh, the... Uh, the corporatism that Biden brings, mm. for instance, um, he was lauded as one of the most conservative Democrats in Congress. Mm. I mean, I don't want to go much into this just because it's a pretty sore subject for me. Mm. I mean, we really need to shape and change the discussion. Mm. And so um, that aside, like the thing about the idea of Biden and that compromise and then that doing this for america is something that i see a giant american flag being flown off the back of a truck often in glenwood or springfield or west eugene right mm. that equates to that confederate flag idea because i i am a patriot to the extent that i believe in I america love, i'm a huge I believe, patriot i believe in our articles of freedom the three founding documents of our nation <clears throat> Post-Civil War, of course, because, you know. Sure. <laughs> Are you including, so the cons the Constitution, the Declaration, and the Articles of Confederation as the third one, or the Bill, the Bill of Rights? Rights? Okay. The Bill got of Rights. Yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 yeah. All I mean, right, okay, like, 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 I mean, there, there, were, there were some good... <laughs> Which is part of the Constitution, but it is also a separate document. Well, a separate right. document specifically, sure. though, and, I mean, if you're going to be talking about Constitution and founding mm. of America, knowing those mm. are the three founding mm. articles, you know are pretty important, I think, before I can be all like, okay, let's talk about some amendments along the way and when they <laughs> happened. And fair. so, you know. Uh, fair? Not quite there yet, but the I idea. I like the story of the Articles of Confederation because people don't realize how much of a shit show that was. Well, they I mean, were like, we're, we've got this this new set of territories we're going to call a country, and then they just could not create. And there, was, there wasn't any teeth in the document, you know? They couldn't agree on shit. It was a mess. The Constitutional Convention was also, I mean... A big mess. Here's something I don't love about Eugene politics. People don't like when you raise your voice. I love people that raise their voice. I love people who are like loud and a little disruptive. And they say that my opinion matters so strongly that you can feel in your eardrums that it's in my bones when I speak. That's what I love. And that's what the Constitutional Convention was like. Um, but, I mean, you for go to any, any meeting, school, 4J white. school board. Men. Big facts. Big facts. <laughs> really? Yep. 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 Um, That's also what the Constitution Convention was about. Super facts, as Jay Z would say on 444. <laughs> super facts. <laughs> I ain't lie. I ain't lie. Uh, so yeah, dog. I just think that there's there's this culture in Eugene where, you know, I've been called alienating a lot uh, because I, I feel like I keep it real, and uh, you know, I just wish that Eugenians. Would recognize that when you have such an emphasis on a polite, um, maybe deferential modus operandi when it comes to people's communication about political ideas, 
you are marginalizing people. Like I'm not a big fan of choose kindness as the big thing that is being done. And I, I'm not going to invite you to, uh, to shit on anyone, uh, you know, but like I personally am frustrated with some of the direction that's going on in the leadership of the city. And, you know, here's my big thing about choose kindness. And I'll probably tell this to future podcast guests. If you come to Eugene and you take a position of power and you use that position of power to ask people to choose kindness, that's like going, that's like, that's like New York city saying we need to choose to start building skyscrapers. We have tons of kindness in Eugene already. Well, we have a ton. Oh my gosh. Okay. So as, as you brought up earlier, I've been organizing in this community for a long time. Ever right. Since I was able to find my voice and realize that there's definite points I think I can bring up that other folk feel that don't feel you know, don't feel empowered enough to actually advocate for themselves for it or talk for themselves for it, right? Awesome. And so one of the things is I don't want to like talk for people, right? Sure. I try to talk to people, listen to them, and then incorporate what they're saying so that way I can get it to as many folk as possible, right? Mm -hmm. Because like I, I, I think about things, right? I process You've a bunch said of a lot. You drink stuff. and you know things. Yeah, I mean, huzzah, right? <laughs> and so, um, so it gets really squirrely sometimes and drawing it back to... Drawing it back to the, oh gosh, okay, so as some of y'all might know, I'm a little opinionated and have, you know, <laughs> I mean, never caps lock. You are, but I people, asked for a controversial like, opinion and you effectively didn't give one. Yeah, okay, so I'm, I'm about to. All right, let's I'm, go. I'm about to, I'm about to. Okay, so um, <laughs> as we were talking about, the embedded racism and the embedded privilege of America is very much paralleled by classic activism. Because oh. that classic activism wasn't what brought the civil rights movement around. Hmm. That classic activism is what got moderate incremental protections that have now been rolled back. And so the fact that those still generally were espoused from privileged backgrounds, like how Love Canal up in upstate New York that was a super fun site, got attention by soccer moms in a predominantly white suburb mm. to get federal funding mm. to help clean it up mm. versus Cancer Alley down in Louisiana in that delta that, I mean, that's not like, this is a good cancer, mm. <laughs> right? <laughs> it is Cancer Alley because of all the industrial runoff that is permitted to go through a predominantly black and other community of color. Right. And so that idea of, well, we're environmentalists. Look what we did. Uh-huh. Turning a complete blind eye to what is happening and what they allowed to still happen sure. with that position of privilege that microphone and that megaphone that they once had right ah. and so now i definitely understand the disappointment of they too seeing a lot of the stuff that they fought so hard for right i mean because mm -hmm. just because they came from a background more privileged than other people does not mean that they did not put what they had on the line hmm. just because it was more than some others right i mean that's commendable to an extent yeah because that's what you need to do with privilege mm -hmm. if you have some privilege you need to use it 
to leverage empowerment and advocacy for those less. Sure. And so, like, kudos to that, right? I don't want to, like, say it was all for not, but looking at things now, right? Mm -hmm. It is hard to not feel that. Yeah. By a lot of people, by even them, which is why there's that extra layer of defensiveness. Because they not only saw all the stuff they fought for being rolled back and attacked Mm. by a constant stream of money, Hmm. but their futures, Hmm. their their retirements, right? Yeah. Like, that is so under jeopardy. Mm. And still, Eugene gives the Gordon Loft a tax break for some luxury apartments. Yeah. As opposed to... Mupti, multi-unit property tax exemption. Yeah. Specifically so. for the downtown. I don't know why I'm doing this voice now. But that, yeah, it's it's interesting to see, you know. Uh, we've got, so we, we have to come a, together. You know, we do. Right. We do. And it's like, it's fascinating that, you know, people love the label of being progressive, so they brand themselves, literally brand their campaign materials with the word progressive say that you know they're the progressive in the race or, or something like that it doesn't say that though it just says eugene oregon or it says uke for mayor 2020 uke for mayor yeah absolutely but um Sorry. yeah you know but we've got people you know constantly saying i'm the progressive in the race blah blah and uh you know everybody in this race is progressive <laughs> uh all seven of us uh, as far as i've seen you know that are running on very progressive platforms and yeah i mean that's the thing i'm not saying i'm progressive i'm saying yeah. these are things True. we need to do that are good for the people uh-huh. let us do them now there you go here are the different pieces we have in the community that i have seen that uh-huh. i'm starting to tap uh-huh. because we need to do this now just to make clear yeah you don't have to join me in dissing the mayor but this is they use she used this phrase the progressive choice on her materials and it made sense when she was running against mike clark and stefan streck they have right-leaning views but nobody in this race has right-leaning views i might have the most right-leaning views of anybody in this race so i get that it's funny it's actually it makes sense from a progressive standpoint to reuse her lawn signs because that's environmentally conscious but i do think that saying you're the progressive choice it's a little questionable if you if you really look at everybody and put them on a spectrum, which you know could, you could argue is artificial. She's one of the least progressive. <laughs> but well, I mean, all right, again, what, what, beforehand okay, you you didn't want to go, go in and 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 jump on anyone. You're and and you have your own candidacy, and I think it's awesome. So I'll try to shut up about that. <laughs> um, you also said something about the. I mean, okay, I, I will say one thing. Sorry, since you did bring it Please up, do. and thank you very much for respecting my idea that I want to like. You know, right th- on. Th- this this ain't a shade campaign, y'all. This is a this is something like I want people to realize that we 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 can do this. That even if I don't do this, mm. y'all, we we're going to make accessibility, civic engagement happen. I love it. And so um, yeah. I mean, like, if nothing else, I hope that we can make sure that anointing doesn't happen again. Ah, because um, I feel very much. I mean, I've I've got I've got I've got my Venice pin in my in my campaign drawer, y'all. Mm. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, mm. I, I I did some door knocking for her for sure. I think she worked hard. You know, it's not that she totally, you know, just waltzed in there, but there was a degree to which the way the the way was paved. You know, the way was paved for her to go in and get be that Kitty Piercy endorsed successor to the the previous vision and you know 
that's kind of where we're, we've been at. And if you like that, that's cool. I think that it's great to have a diversity of voices, experiences, age range, background, gender identity, you know, ability, all these things um, represented, especially if we're going to be progressive. But I'm also running, so I'm extraordinarily biased. This is not an unbiased journalist talking to uh, just some random person. (laughs) To another mayoral candidate. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yep. yeah but you know i mean like and, and so one thing um one of the main reasons i tossed my hat in this right was the yeah. uh sorry I, I figured i'm taking it off no it's cool you're just alienating the audio listeners i'll now describe the candidate matthew uke <laughs> threw his hat forward about four feet and landed on a soft carpet ground as he said that please proceed <laughs> You're like, goofball. I, I love no, it. I mean, uh, no, the reason no, why you threw yeah, your hat no, yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, the reason I threw my hat in, right? I was originally looking into housing, how it's going, right? Yes. Like, I've been, as I say on my campaign website, I've been blessed with a cheap apartment for the past 10 years. I've of heard course. you describe it as a shithole. I disagree. <laughs> you well, said that at a public comment, so I'm allowed to bring it up. <laughs> a little bit, yeah, a little bit. And 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 the worst part, right? That, that was my, my mayoral candidacy, right? Your like introduction to it yeah, at very a city council meeting, and so um, that that was a little embarrassing for sure, right? I, I, I hope not to repeat an instance like that, but that was directly in relation to the short term rental kerfuffle, right? Mm. It was very strange, even like tangent. Um, so I was talking with Betty Taylor at the South Eugene neighborhood uh, candidate forum, trying yeah. to see about how lodging taxes have been received by the community. Because one of my ideas is we need to pass one so that way we can ensure Eugene captures as much money as possible from the upcoming track events. Mm. And so getting an inroad... I mean, there's tons of hotels going up in town. Everywhere. Every part of town. Mm -hmm. And so even better, right? Since we already know it's profitable and business is coming in, there's three ways I want to make sure we can sell it to other folk that might hear fear around it. But before even that happens, I need to figure out what work and then what research has been done around a lodging tax in Eugene already. Okay. Especially if there's a long-time city councilor that has been working for one, right? Mm. I figured that would be a great place to start. She's the Betty Taylor is in her 90s. She's an amazing person, and she has held a position on the Eugene City Council longer than anybody else in history, for anyone who didn't know. And then the thing is that she's all like, yeah, short-term rentals, they need to be taxed. I'm all like, yeah, sure, I'm, I'm not asking She about- believes deeply in that. She's yeah. the most... Most uh, let's regulate short-term rentals person on the whole eight-person council. And so, I mean, I didn't realize why she thought that's what I was talking about. Airbnb, by the way, that's what we're talking about. STR, short-term rentals. Essentially, it's Airbnb and and sites like that that allow people to have a facilitated brief duration where they're you know l- renting out rooms or entire houses because... Um, but, but your argument is, is that this is problematic because it cuts deeply into those properties used to be for long-term renters, i.e. Eugenians, people living in the community. And so we already have a big housing shortage, particularly in the affordable housing department. You know, you've got these big lots going up for, (laughs) yeah, let's talk about that. You had a piece that you wrote in the guard about that. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but even going back real quick, right? Of course. Uh, Sorry. Uh, short-term rentals and like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm. As you were saying, the fact that they are taking rental properties, vacant properties, at least 
if a short-term rental is happening in your non-primary residence, it needs to be at a rate that doesn't cut into long-term renter stock, which is definitely the complaint that has come to the forefront. It has been lost a little bit, which is why Betty Taylor came back with that, yeah, no, we need to tax short-term rentals. But in that, that city council meeting where I did my announcement, sure, there was a bunch of folks from the Short-Term Rental Association or there whatever were. it was just talking about, yeah, my there second home. There were more home, of them previous meetings even. My second home is not going to be as profitable. And so that's why I'm like, oh, my gosh, every time I've tried looking for a place to move out to that I could secure and mm. stabilize, they were out of reach. Yet y'all are complaining about your non-primary residence not being as profitable hmm. or not being able to rent it out to, you know, to everyday Eugenians because it's worth more than that. Hmm. That got me really upset. Okay. How can housing in Eugene be worth more than Eugenians? Hmm. Right? Well, the flip side, and I probably take a little bit of a different position than you, is that those are Eugenians exercising their right, and they, you know, rely on that income. I've got a good friend, uh, Dylan Hudson, who I recently interviewed, um, the property manager on the show, and his perspective is that there is a lot of rhetoric that, like, people, um, that there's a lot of anti-landlord rhetoric that doesn't acknowledge the diversity of the experiences of landlords, people who, you know, have three rental properties and they're, they're not really wealthy people. They're just people who still work at the, you know, at Costco, uh, is his example of our friend who does that. And, and, um, you know, so it's like, gosh, what is the role and the purpose of government? I do think that if it's to be done, I almost is best suited for the federal level or the city level. Like, cause if, if we're going to, if we're going to take a stance against short-term rentals, that has to be something that is fair across the board in the country, or it has to be localities, municipalities saying like, this has become such an issue here. And Eugene is a tourist heavy place. People like to come here and visit and not necessarily live and stay because there isn't as robust an economy as other major cities or you know they just maybe it's a seasonal thing they don't like being here in the rainy season etc um the ducks games as well are a yep. huge driving factor i feel Massive. Like the idea of short term rentals being necessity hmm. as you were saying the drain of a lot of the more mobile folk from eugene that might have been duck alumni right hmm benefit a lot from the availability of short-term rentals sure because it gets them that catharsis on top of coming back for a ducks game hmm. and so it's i mean like like the feeling of being in a in like this is like what it was like to live here again <laughs> instead of checking into the hotel room <laughs> interesting nostalgia that, nostalgia and yeah. the the sentiment and feeling of eugene like talking to folk about how they are opposed to multi-unit complexes mm. being part of the SB 2010, right? I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. There have been a lot of information, a lot of numbers I've been trying to crunch. But the <laughs> uh, Oregon legislative bill that mandated multi-unit zoning on all single-unit zones from here on out to help address the housing crisis. Sure. And so going back to that right now, I definitely understand the idea of investing in property and investing in rentals. Mm. Dude working at Costco probably is not trying to capitalize on short-term rentals, right? Mm. As opposed to everyone at that meeting 
mm-hmm. that looks like what they do. That's hmm. that was their retirement plan. Okay, capitalizing on jacked up housing payments, and that gets problematic when houses are fourteen times more expensive for millennials than they were for boomers. Hmm. Fourteen times, and so until we can actually draw some parity not even multi-generationally, but like between everyone economically, Mm. especially concerning housing, Mm. I feel very passionately that we need a strong regulatory hand Mm. on short-term rentals. Because right now that, I mean, people that got laid off from the restaurant jobs are now going to bag groceries temporarily. Mm. And... Still Are you talking about can't because of the short-term COVID, COVID-19? Yeah. And so, like, thinking about that economically mm-hmm. and then thinking about people complaining about my secondary property is not going to be as valuable mm. while these folks that were kind of subsidizing their poverty wages with tips don't even get that through unemployment, which is already a percentage, tiny well, fraction. One of, the, one of the regulations that they were speaking out against was uh, putting a 90-day limit on these short-term rentals out of 365 days. I mean, how do you agree with that? Oh yeah. I mean, what are we going to call a long-term rental? Right. Mm -hmm. If we're going to having to start draw classifications between periods of time for rental, Hmm. 90 days seems pretty dang good. Like after 90 days, if that's not a long-term rental, what would you call it? No, no, no. I, what I mean is that out of the year, they can only lease out their property as, or not lease out, but do the Airbnb thing for a 90-day period. So it's several mini rentals within that period. And then I guess the idea is that theoretically they would use the rest of the year, the other 270 days roughly, um, and hopefully do long-term rentals with that. But th- but isn't that challenging? Like that, that That's not... Sense. Yeah, exactly. People want to rent you know, and live there for a couple of years. So that's why I'm concerned about that 90 day limit. Um, another thing, argument that's pro short term rentals, maybe you could respond to is that it gives people the income that, that they might need to fix up a property, which is ultimately good for our housing stock in Eugene. We don't have a lot of, uh, we're seeing that a lot of this missing middle housing, it's not in great quality. It's in disrepair. And, and this is a way that the landowners can address that. And so, yeah, I mean, with the 90-day per year thing, I did not know that was a 90-day per year thing. Yeah. I'm very late to this conversation because okay. I didn't think it was such an issue, right? But the fact well, that... Well, I, I admire that you jumped in with passion and uh, so, when you heard about it because people need to do that. Well, and then that's the thing. Like, I jump into things with passion, but then I'm pretty receptive for folk telling me that's not how it works. Hmm. Hey, actually, right? And I mean, with my sometimes more confrontational mm-hmm. manner on addressing things, I find a little not accurate, <laughs> we yeah. shall say, right? Okay. The, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Um, the idea that 90 days was a limit through a year to encourage long-term rentals is not what I would have moved forth with because that is ridiculous. Mm. I would have actually tried enacting a cap or taxing it at such a rate Mm. 
that even for a period of time, it would still not be as profitable hmm. per se as compared to long-term rentals. Yeah, on okay. a non-primary residence. Okay, only on, like if you're renting right. out your room your or room, extra room right. or okay. something, right? Or like uh -huh. letting people. I mean, I used right. to, I, I, I couch surf host, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Dot com is very good mm -hmm. for doing these things. Otherwise, outside yeah. of that, and so uh, yeah. It's um, it's just the idea I feel very upset about being a long-term renter of Eugene. Hmm. That the access to not even missing middle income housing, right? Sure. But that step just above, like low. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's okay. Excuse me. No, that step good. just right above low, which is something that even talking with home for good folk, they're like, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, and you know, we definitely need more of these housing so that way people can build more equity or build more savings and have an ability to move out of the low-income residences and whatnot, right? Uh -huh. And then I was like, yeah, but they never do. I was like, well, because there's nothing to move to, y'all. Yeah, yeah. How, how, how can you actually expect them to move out, especially when every time their income increases, you bump it up, you bump up their rent mm. to that maximum of 80% median, which yeah. HUD calls low income, right? Yeah. Because that's the thing. Explain affordable that. housing. Explain what affordable means. Isn't it 30% of your income It means affordable housing? Yeah. So. so anyone you're talking to is just like, affordable housing to them is 30% of their income. Right. And so anything bent to facilitate, subsidize, or finance affordable housing is targeted to... 30% of who's ever income. So say you're a missing middle class housing target mm -hmm. and you want a single family home to be able to build real quick and turn around at the exorbitant rates we are able to charge in Eugene. Mm. Well, we now have public subsidies going to help encourage that hmm. instead of going to house people that don't have houses, which I think is a little backwards, right? I mean, if we're going to talk about housing, I mean, one of the mean things about my little housing spiel, right? Mm -hmm. It was like the whole the wish, the hiss. Mm -hmm. That's because of housing and homelessness. A, wish, a hiss for housing or something like that. Uh, so many I lips. saw that. I was very curious uh, about so that. So many lips. You know what I just realized, though? We're not modeling good social distancing. This isn't six feet. Um, but I, I guess I'll just name it, you know? Because we are only two of us in the room. But I feel bad because I did a little criticism and then I was like, well, I'm not really modeling this very well. Um, anyway, that was just a total interruption. Talk about the wish and the hiss and the housing. Yeah, I mean, there's no worries on that, too. Like, I've been isolating myself, thankfully. I'd already kind of uh, Me too. pictured that there was not going to be much time for doing stuff outside organizing. Mm. Running campaigns, one, y'all, right? Yay! Yay. <laughs> but we did the elbow bump. And so, uh... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it worked out pretty well, uh, at least for that. And then, yeah, the a wish, a hiss, so many lips and whatnot, like... For so many lips, that's what it was. Please explain. I see that, and I'm like, I have no idea what this means. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's weird, the uh, idea that we need more housing, and we focus on housing as opposed to addressing the fact that housing and homelessness are two sides of that same coin. Which is why, like, housing's a wish. But then the lack of housing is a hiss by a lot of folk, right? Ah. And so that dichotomy of what is shelter, 
what is housing and what people should have living in a society in a community is very divisive right now. Hmm. And so trying to bring that together, right? Like, it's not just housing we're talking about, y'all, but we need to make sure that homelessness is included in that. Okay. Which is why that it's a wish but hiss on so many lips, right? Four. I mean, I had to put four in there because, like, you four mayor. Yeah. Easy to remember. My last name, y'all. There you go. No, sorry. Oh, it's four letters. It's a four-letter word. Uke out of here. Oh, <laughs> oh dang. That would have been neat. But, yeah, I should have. Uh, anyway. Uh, um, yeah. It. What do you think about ADUs, man? Uh, I mean, we need them. yes, I think that people should have the right to to easily build accessible accessory dwelling units on their properties. Uh, Todd Boyle on my friend Tiger Gruber's podcast had a great way of putting it. He basically said, "So if you are a property owner, you've got all these property rights. Why do you then have the ability to get even more rights to tell your neighbors on their property that they cannot build?" A little hut or you know have a little trailer in their backyard where somebody else is living um i agree with that but the thing is is in eugene people they say people don't like there's a lot of nimbyism in eugene not a lot of not in my backyard attitude in eugene and people will often say well we don't like density but we also don't like sprawl <laughs> we say we love people but the people want to be here and there's just not that much option that's allowed for people to exist healthily and happily. Yeah, some people just really don't want Eugene to grow. I think it's I think it's going to keep happening. Um, it's it's projected to keep happening. That's the reason why there's all the planning commissions doing a long plan to 2030, mm. which is one thing I want the new joint strategic housing coordinator to incorporate into her purview outside of just the rolling out Sarai a, a Johnson report. Right? Sarai Johnson for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, working with the between the county and the city to try to build uh, solutions. Uh, to roll out the tax specifically. Mm. That's why she is the strategist hired formerly of Medco. collaborative. See, I'm really just uh, showing off that I know all these acronyms. Hey. <laughs> People look at me, they're like, who's this fucking young person running for mayor? Probably doesn't know shit. I'm like, bruh, yeah. I got acronyms all day. I was a. I actually had a meeting with a high-ranking official in our city governance, and mm-hmm. was able to explain to them actually, the federal funding for housing does need to be managed privately. Hmm. And that's when I was does like, okay, or doesn't need to does be. Okay. federal funding for housing after a Reagan era bill, okay. which is what our housing bill here in Oregon replicated to amend the constitution. Sounds very to trickle allow that. down. A little bit, a little bit, okay. and like I had explained to someone that was you know high up <laughs> and, uh-huh. and then i'm like okay i need to announce from air because i actually feel like i know a lot more about city governance and operational happenings than people before they stepped into that position <laughs> we ain't doing no shade room but yeah okay a little bit a little bit a little bit a little bit all right no it's cool you do have a ton of depth of knowledge i mean and that's um, the thing like i i, I know uh, I know I'm not maybe the most establishment person, right? Sure. Not maybe the most professional person, but like making it ah, what easier. is professionalism? Uh, yeah, your <laughs> photos look great. Your portraits look amazing. 
Oh, are you going to have a domain name? You were talking with Rapid Gator today about oh, that. Oh, yeah, no, no, no totally, okay. totally. And so because you, right now it's not a domain name. Oh, no, it so is. It's it like, is. Um, it's just uh, the problem was that. I, is it going to be uke4mayor.com? Yeah, um, okay, I, right. I had to Uke, switch between. Y-O-O-K, number four, mayor.com. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I'm a, and I'm huge.2020.org. Yeah. Why job for .com over .org, man? You're not a commercial entity. I'm not, but I But it's just more look, common. Look yeah. a little more establishment yeah. because as you may know like right. most of my id <laughs> not necessarily the most uh right most establishment Keep that microphone up as you might know most of my ideas are not the most establishment yeah but, like this is what this should look like i'm uh, oh man it's starting to look awesome on a mobile shit like i've got yeah. that all condensed yeah. down right oh got that thing there go uh-huh. back up top i need to get my youtube button on the bottom because that's where i'm yeah. trying to direct a lot of folk yeah uh, and then yeah do that to the camera too you oh, don't want to alienate them oh, oh yeah sorry sorry Hold it nice and close. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. So we've got Green New Deal for Eugene. Housing, a wish, a hiss for so many lips. Development for the community. Participation and access for transparency. Safety and justice for the people. Collaborate for education. Sanctuary and security for all. Now, we made Eugene a sanctuary city within the first two months of uh, of 2017. The first three months. Yeah. So, what is you? What is your intent with uh, sanctuary and security for all? And so, yeah, I very much appreciate that. But looking at Oregon and then Portland also being a sanctuary city, mm-hmm. and some agents coming in and getting information from city agencies okay. up there to are you talking about law enforcement? Yeah, to detain folk. Uh, I, I need to make sure that we <laughs> that we're actually standing by. Okay, being a sanctuary city and a sanctuary state. And so, um, interesting. Did, oh, sorry. Even go a little well, further. Well, my position, like, uh, I've yeah. been, I've been upset for a long time that the, that the mayor's, uh, that the that the status quo rather, uh, yeah, I can't read that right now. It's a podcast. We don't want to read too much. <laughs> <laughs> Is that um, the city didn't collaborate with ICE, Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, but it didn't take a particularly anti-ice sentiment they just said hey look we're not collaborating with them they're still gonna raid here they still came here and raided undocumented communities workers families children um but the fact that we didn't help them explicitly that to me it's just it's it's a little bit of a milk toast not for particularly strong or effective solution you know i want my city to be advocates welcome for to the eugene <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's let's wait for that cap 3.0, y'all. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh, we, you we know, need, we've got we good people. A, it's just I don't know a, why it's not you know happening or reflecting the real will of the people. As we much. needed a tax report to tell us we need more low income housing. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> no, a thousand low income, low barrier, no more than fifty percent of median income units. Is what we yeah. need right now. Yeah, I mean, not a promise, right? Because I can't promise that shit. But we gotta build a lot. <laughs> we gotta build, and we we gotta gotta make build that discussion. Up. A lot of people from the, the bottom they, up. They don't want uh, the the skyline or the horizon to be messed up because they're just in love with what it looks like now. It's like, come on, man! Look at an old photo of Eugene in the 1880s and 1890s. It looked very different. It looked beautiful in its way. It looks beautiful now, and it'll it'll look beautiful in 30 years when we have. You know, 15-story buildings. I believe in that. I think that that's an okay thing. Because uh, if you build up in the middle of the city, 
there's economic prosperity and density and opportunity and people are going to spend in those walkable neighborhoods. If you build outward, you're going to change. And I'm not totally opposed to that either, but you're going to change the character of neighborhoods in, in Bethel, in uh, River Road. We actually need a lot more development in Bethel. Please pour money into Bethel. I really wanted to be the candidate for North and West Eugene, man. Give them a voice. If you look at who voted for the incumbent mayor, it's very deeply concentrated in a small section of South Eugene. And know? the thing is, um, and there's just not that much voice that those communities have, li- have had. I, I've lived in, I lived off River Road is where I grew up. Yeah, I mean, there's a huge swath out there that's actually dubbed an opportunity zone. While I don't agree with a lot of the tax policies that have come out of the current administration, hmm. the fact that that could be an opportunity zone people could invest in, that there's dark fiber running under a lot of Oregon infrastructure, which is like the state cables, right? Uh, like the state internet cables oh, that we can flip on and then create some IT incubation with opportunity zone investment. Can you explain what opportunity zones are? What it means? They're horrible, y'all. Aw. Like, I don't want to because they're bad. So many misnomers in the world of government, leadership, politics, education. And so. Because it sounds amazing. It sounds amazing. I love opportunity. <laughs> and a so, whole so zone for it. A whole zone for it. Oh my gosh, right. And so, well, yeah, I mean, under the 2017 tax law that. Trump passed, he created opportunity zones to help investment in impoverished communities. Okay. Rad, right? Sure. One of the problems is that um, the only people that can invest in those communities are already the really rich capitalists okay. that are vulture-like already that haven't yet because not been as profitable, right? Mm. And so... This is to encourage them to go and turn these communities into a, you know, or help these communities out a little bit, right? And one of the other problems on top of that, the reason why those communities are so impoverished, as you may know, is federal abandonment. Mm. And then the defunding of publicly owned, high-density, low-income housing. Okay. And so it is pretty much the Reagan neoliberalism that Nixon tried birthing with freedmen coming back to bite us ah because now all these people that are been in charge of development can now get a 10 percent or i mean a 10 year uh capital gains tax free development in those opportunity zones okay and the problem with capital gains tax is the way investment banking works Mm. the way our economy works now after the 70s, is that that is completely inaccessible to okay. most folk. And so it will only exacerbate that giant wealth divide that we really need to address. So if you're Mayor Uke, how are you going to get more investment into, and, you know, sustainable or, uh, in your view, better development in those communities with that, uh, with an alternative to Opportunity Zones? Not an alternative right now, because that is a federal... The status quo? Well, not a status quo thing, but that is a mechanism that is in place that we can use Hmm. to try and benefit a community. Okay. It's not the mechanism I would choose, but it being there means we can use it. Mm. 
And so trying to create an incubator in that space with maybe Chamber of Commerce, Technology Association of Oregon, and then uh, Lane Community College. So that way we can create IT pipeline of people hmm. and stop the brain bleed Eugene is experiencing for young professionals by going into a community that has a lot of families and saying, here is opportunity. Hmm. That then could be utilized not only through extending that publicly sourced internet through that community, right? Right. Right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah but yeah. Then, then we could offer services to local businesses. This is one thing I really want to do. There's a lot of complaint about curbside appeal in Eugene and foot traffic, right? Sure. And it's completely distracting from the idea that local small retailers are confronting Amazon, hmm. are confronting Walmart and Target online, hmm. are confronting these giant online marketplaces that, of course, can and sell so and ship things to the door. And so you're saying that it's easy to scapegoat the folks that very visibly are out there uh, supposedly making the the property value go down, but Especially the, when those retailers have worked so the hard. The unseen entity is actually sucking up a lot of the capital that used to go into those brick-and-mortar stores. Well, yeah, and I mean, the people that worked so hard to make those businesses, right? Yeah. Then see people not working, mm. which is an understandable upset, right? Mm. Well, I mean, I think their upset is kind of misplaced for market you know, trends. Okay. Still, I completely understand why they would be upset with that with that idea. That's why instead I mean, of it's just an extreme level in Eugene. Uh, the It's, okay, we are the number okay. one in homelessness per capita in the country, and it's actually by a pretty sizable margin yeah. uh, above, what was it, LA? LA. And, uh, yeah, and uh, so... I, I am deeply concerned about how we can get businesses to come here, good businesses to come here, and get people to stay here, um, given this status quo situation. And so that's the thing. If we start turning on more internet, hmm. we can definitely start feeding that pipeline of where our economy has shifted. Okay. And so investing back in that, I feel, is very important, which is why through that incubator I want to help local businesses get um, access to web presence, search engine optimizations, yeah. and then maybe even a shopping cart application backend. Because I know that that shopping cart transaction point can be a barrier to hmm. a lot of folks trying to go bigger. Hmm. And if we could offer it at a lower rate, so that way there was more competition that they could facilitate we could help them out. The other thing I want to do okay. with the homelessness, of course, is instead of uh, giving more money to cops for broken windows, hmm. broken windows policing, talk to cahoots that we just got praised for that we photo opt with. <laughs> right? Cahoots and, uh, does have a very disproportionately small percentage of the public safety budget, though they respond to a very high volume of calls and they have the police radio on them. They hear all the calls, etc. Um, they even contract with the crisis EPD assistant helping assistance helping out on the streets. Acronym time, baby. Let's <laughs> go. I've done my research. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, 
um, not only have I done my research, it's there. There are they're a very seen entity in the community with the big uh, vans that they drive, but more people could know, you know, when to call on them and what, what, how they're trained and or, how they intervene. Um, like, okay, so yeah, some ideas. It's kind right? of for, it's kind of a buffer between the straight up Eugene police and the general public, like Matthew Uke walking down the street and trying to intervene in uh, oh, okay? someone well, who's having a mental health like, crisis or I any mean, kind of crisis like, on the streets. Like, yeah, we should go this way, yo. Because like, a lot of calm. people are afraid to call the police, and um, my position, and I, I don't care if this makes me look a little less progressive or whatever, is that when you when you think about the problems that have existed in the histor in the history of American policing, and you think about the national uh, climate of policing, um, Eugene police are relatively kick ass, man. There's a high level of accountability. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, you're not with it. You're not with it. Um, it is and they, better than they, some places. They, are, they experience a low level of um, uh, funding that makes it very difficult for them to do their jobs in terms of how many officers we have per capita. I've got a fun story about that. All right, go on. I, uh, so I have this pay per mile insurance. And in my I would car. say that as someone who actually experienced some violence at the hands of of a, of a cop, you know, and that, and that. So I'm not saying that, you know. I'm, I'm painting with a really broad brush and sometimes it's a, helpful to go a little more granular, but yeah, dude, it's, it's something I feel like I wanted to say. Of course. Like tossing that one thing is I don't want to say all police are generally folk that want to go in to abuse people. I've known many. Oh cadets. yeah. I don't like that idea. I've known many cadets and I've talked to police officers that honestly got into the profession of being a police officer to help their community out and to maybe help destigmatize some of the issues that are seen. And so, of course, we get to see, I mean, the worst parts of it because we kind of need to because they've got a lot of... Society gives them a lot of power. They have been True. granted a lot of power and it's been ruled on that they have that power. And so understanding that I mean, power can corrupt y'all, right? You ever been to a police commission meeting? Not in a while. They're open to the public. Oh, okay, but you have. Oh yeah, of course, okay. man. I, I mean, I, I used to be. I used to be very much more active. Like the past couple sure. of years, I've and Sean Shivers is the chair of those meetings now. Had to, and I and I generally trust Sean, although we have some disagreements oh, on little things. What's that? <laughs> Nothing. Uh, but yeah, um, and so we need to. We need to. Okay, so for going back, sorry, tangent side. Um, I want to talk to cahoots. I think I love what they've been doing, as does everyone. The problem is that we've had too much reactionary patchwork happening in Eugene governance to deal with situations that we've not been able to take time because we don't have the funding, right? We, I mean, we're sure. barely paying our city. We, we don't even, we don't even pay our city councilors and mayor to really like do this stuff by themselves, no, right? No, we Which, don't. I mean, as our city grows, y'all. It, I mean, I'm. That's going to become necessary. It's I mean, become necessary well, sure, I think it's sure. very troubling that a low income person can't be the mayor, dude. I mean, think about it. Like, what Mayor Venice raised, and I, I keep going to her because she's the current mayor. I'm not, this has been a problem far beyond her. She raised so much money $110,000. 68000 in a month. 
Yeah. yeah. In the month so, of February. 68, right. 68,000. Well, she was a development director for shelter care, which largely means that she was calling people for money. So she's well experienced in how that, that scale of fundraising works. I'm not going to knock her for that. That's the reality of where she's been at and what she's been doing. And politics. Get money out, y'all. I deeply believe we need to get money out. Do you believe in publicly funding of elections? Dude, heck yeah. And start voting and... Yeah. Democracy reform. Yep. Star I mean, voting. Look that gosh. up. S T A R. Score than automatic runoff. Acronyms. Uh, <laughs> where was I going with that before we went on that? I was trying to detract from. Right. Oh, That's but okay. <laughs> I mean, think about how much money she'll make as mayor. What is it? Twenty four thousand dollars a year or twenty two? I think it's 22. So she'll make 88K, but she spent 110K to get the job. It wasn't her, but it was other people who, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, and then didn't Jim Tory dump in 500K to for a mayoral race previously? Don't quote me on that, but look it up and then quote me if I'm right. And if I'm wrong, forget every word that I said for the last 30 seconds. Um, or know that we so are really fallible just, and so that we can apologize and learn because that's one of the most important things that why do you have so much integrity it's a podcast (laughs) (laughs) no i'm fucking with you uh that's gonna be my excuse for everything (laughs) it's a podcast um but yeah but frankly this is something that we talked about when i was a student at carlton college on the carlton student association senate for four years were we going to then make the student body president into a campus job well, it would make a lot of sense because it the the duties in, involved are probably much greater and, and a greater demand on their time than a job. But if you have to have a campus job, it becomes very difficult to also hold that role. And so this, the same attitude, I think, should apply to the mayor and city council in, in Eugene. Is like we expect them to do this work, but we, we don't pay them a living wage. And so their, their time is going to be very divided. And I think we should have more than one city council meeting every two weeks. I think that there should be maybe three three meetings in a month instead of two. And so definitely, I I mean, the limited capacity that they have, the idea that we are a city run by a city manager, that the city council just passes laws, passes it down, and then... Mayor they, makes recommendations for her to do the stuff to him for a long time. You, John. John Reese. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, anywho, uh, and so yeah, the uh, oh my gosh, what? Do you have a cat? I'm getting a little sniffly. I do not. Okay. Um, sometimes they bust through the window though because there's some strays. All <laughs> right. Over, but it was so random too, right? You're I'll like, blame it all on I that cat. A, oh my gosh. What were you gonna say? Was oh. it about the city manager or the structure of the city manager doing everything, or was it about John Reese? Uh, before that. Huh. About paying the. Yeah, dude. Yeah, Let's get these people dude. paid. Okay, okay. And so that's the problem, right? One but thing Bob way- Cassidy ran on was everybody that there should be a fifteen dollar minimum wage for city staff, which is fifteen hundred people in Eugene. It's a lot of city staff. Which I mean, is why it strikes minimally. me when there's no major accomplishment happening. <laughs> it's like you got so many people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there there are accomplishments happening. Of it's course, just they're not happening for people to see. Which yep. is the problem. Yeah. And so, like, that's why I want to open up all the meetings to transparency. Mm. Podcast, broadcast, get that mm. stuff going down, right? But then uh, talking back about, like, city councilors, right? I understand that they've got other duties, that they've got to, like, 
also provide roofs for themselves because they're not yeah. paid enough to of actually course. provide that governance and that representation that I think a lot of us would like to see, right? Yeah. And so, I mean... I mean, you get more people running if you if you made it a, a lucrative position. Not, I not believe even, that, too. Ironically, a lot of people like, want to run for county commissioner. Why? Because they make $87,000 oh a year. Does anybody With truly believe that they do... That, they're, that like they do four times more position. work than the mayor of Eugene? It's I don't like, believe that. And, and full benefits. Yeah. Like, it's like $150,000 a year. To With the state legislators, I think it makes sense to be very part-time. They make twenty four k because we want them to not be in Salem all the time, and we want them to have their other jobs and, and know what the experience, you know, continue to be in the experience of, you know, being a teacher or being a, you know, I don't know, anything in Eugene. And yeah, um, as a student government treasurer, I was able to build a coalition where we were able to raise the that where stipend, uh, Lane Community College, right on to um to raise the stipends uh-huh. that executives got, and even the Senate got right mm-hmm. because it takes time to deal with that stuff. Yeah, like at Lane Community College, it was rad. We actually had a shared governance system where representatives from the student government were sitting on the official boards. Our president was on the Board of Education. That's amazing. And so, yeah, making sure that they had the time and capacity on top, right? Right. Of getting that degree, because that's really important. Sure. If you're spending that time and And those degrees, the thing that I think was probably a challenge there is that people are not there for very long compared to, like, ASUO at the University of Oregon. High turnover. Yeah, high turnover. Institutional memory is important. When you have a whole new group of people and nobody knows the basics of you know, government functionality, that is a challenge. Especially at a commuter campus, a community right. college, that's Lane Community, right? Yeah. Where you got to pretty much devote 45 minutes to a bus ride just to make it there. Sure. And then if you got to work after that, yeah. You gotta, well, I mean. Yeah, how many hours are left in your day to be involved in <laughs> all that stuff? And so the idea that that it's only for the privilege is definitely a conversation I want to help discuss more. Which right. is why increasing asking for more money is going to be kind of hard. Admittedly, we've got a great opportunity to look at how we structure and how like, income and the economy is working and distributing itself with this current lockdown. As discussions about equity start busting out more about people literally talking about universal basic income. On the uh, on the federal level, yeah, it's funny that right. uh, we had a candidate who made that their frontier issue and did way better than a lot of people were expecting and lasted much longer. Uh, and then now it takes a, a a pandemic virus that's twenty times more. I've seen, I don't know for sure that it's twenty times more lethal than H one N one swine flu was. Uh, that's what it takes to get that consideration. And it's only going to be, you know, for like a couple of checks. Um, but as I mean, opposed to the 1.5 trillion, the fed dumped into the stock market mm. to try to stabilize it. That burned up in less than three hours. Mm. 1.5 trillion dollars, less than three hours. Wow. As they tried to, Pull us out of that nose. Who did they give that Tuesday. money to? The banks. Wow. To the giant lending firms. I mean, so our investment banking stock markets—they're a very strange 
bubble yeah. that the repealing of Glass-Steagall that Clinton did made it even worse because personal banking got thrown into that. As much as we tried to amend that after the financial collapse and Obama pushing some stuff through, it wasn't far enough. And so that has just exacerbated the wealth gap, which going back to capital gains tax idea, right? That idea that, well, capital gains tax is how wealth gets redistributed the most inequitably because of capital investments okay. being only for the privileged and then taxed at a far lower rate than okay. people fucking putting food on the table, people coding your iPhones yeah. and shit, right? Yeah. Or whatever phone and so on. Oh, oh my gosh, sorry. Language. Ah, <laughs> uh, dude, it's a income, podcast. <laughs> income, like, income inequality is something that I am very passionate about. We completely shirked the Phillips curve. That was the unemployment wage model in the late 70s. And mm. we shipped fully more to that yes, financial side. And so looking at how wealth has been redistributed and capital gains tax, while I'm not the biggest fan of it, and we definitely need to create higher and higher brackets, especially, I mean, as a lot of billionaires right now, yeah. maybe not a lot of billionaires, but, you know, yeah. a few billionaires are realizing and advocating for. Yeah. We need to utilize what we have to help Bethel out by creating the incubator. And so like not understanding how these different mechanisms work right. is something that I want to help folk do. Okay. And so one, you know, for the city right now is like making that more open and transparent. Okay. Because then they can see like, okay, well, why is this getting a tax break? Why, you know, why is this getting that capital gains tax break sure. or not? And, uh, and yeah. Well, I think that, that in income inequality, it's been, uh, it's like been a prevailing and damaging and, and sort of speeding up issue for my entire life. I was born in 1993, you know? Um, and so one thing that I really want to do as a candidate, and that this might sound like it's very whiplashy, is conservative dignity. So I, I, I'm putting together a series of ideas that I want to to use in order to very explicitly say, hey, you know what? I might be, feel like I'm a progressive person and you look at my politics and I've supported Bernie, Warren, Yang uh, on the national level and think that person's not a conservative. But what I am very concerned about is how do we get um, away from rhetoric that hurts or demonizes people um, to the extent that we can really bring people who would say they're conservative or a little or right leaning or Republican or libertarian or, you know, even alt right, you know, these are human beings. Ooh, yeah, he winced. But he, but, but people in that vein, they're in our community, and they don't care. They, the, many of them don't care about income inequality. I'm not trying to paint with too broad of a brush, but they should. Everybody should. They don't understand it yet. They're How do from we... a position of privilege. Mm. The thing about the alt right is you can't reason with them. Mm. You need other people that look like them to talk to them. Okay. Or look like how they I, want I to I like look. that view of privilege and the fact that that which is why like well I mean I've I, I don't know man I've I've been You're basically saying they're just ignorant. You well, know, yes, but they're okay. forcibly ignorant. If they mm. choose to keep pursuing ideas that are not based in fact, no matter how much evidence is heaped at their feet. Okay. What ideas? <laughs> what else do you call specific. that? That race is a construct that you can't be proud to be white. That wanting to shoot other people for not being white is bad. Okay. That wanting to bring guns to menace people that aren't white is bad. Okay. That bringing weapons to beat people 
that aren't white is I just think a bad. lot of the folks that I went to high school with at North Eugene, right? And, you know, you shouted out Glenwood, you shouted out Springfield. Alt right. You know? Um, I don't even know what that word means. Uh, well, anymore. that's the thing. I, 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 that's why I don't like labels, man. I'm trying yeah. to go into this without any okay. freaking labels. There you go. You brought up progressive, right? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I haven't mentioned progressive at all. I haven't said I'm progressive. I said I've got a new green deal. Okay. I've got ideas to build housing. I've got sure. ideas to invest in our community. Right on. I've got ideas to bring people to the table. Right. From all walks of life. Right. You know? Well, part I mean, of why I, I, I like I, doing a podcast is because you can have a long-form discussion, and I can throw in these ideas of like, hey, conservative dignity, and you know, how do we get these people like, uh, not necessarily thinking more like us, but like, how do we have better conversations where we understand them better, they understand our views enough to where I think if people do have a a, a rich historical and intellectual knowledge on, uh, you know, the history of you know racist violence and white supremacy, like, yeah, they're gonna oppose more the the. Trayvon Martin and Mike Brown and Sandra Bland and and uh, Philando Castile situations, yeah, that happened here in Santa Clara, right? Right, absolutely. Um, and I want that to happen because if as for as long as we are only speaking to a limited group of people, when we say that by design, yeah. it has been designed that way. Yeah, lunchtime meetings. Who can make it downtown for lunchtime meeting, y'all? Mm. Not me. That's you know. Working food off Crescent, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, yeah, take my entire lunch break to drive and not get anything. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, y'all! It right. We, we that's that's why we need to reshape that, and that's why like the main thing I want to run on is transparency, right? Cool. Because hearing from too many folk about what what's been happening yeah what's the government doing yeah oh, eugene leaderless oh my god look at all this happening right did you say leaderless yeah and so, i agree like, man I, I, that's but the i mean that's is, why i'm doing this podcast too these, these decisions are happening right sure so that's why we need to be able to put a fucking microphone where those decisions are happening where the discussions and where the details are yeah. getting hammered out at meetings that are happening mm-hmm. at 10 a.m at meetings that are happening during lunchtime that don't allow for public comments. Right. Like, and so what I really want to do is have folk be able to place digital comments at the beginning of those meetings and then have it be podcast. That way they can hear their concerns get addressed by the decision makers, by the folks that are making the recommendations to the city council, which is really the only interface a lot of Eugenians have. And again, as you said, that's every other week on a school night Mm -hmm. till nine, right? Mm -hmm. Well... Okay, I think that that's a good idea. I do, um, but those meetings are boring, and so that's why, that's why you podcast. The, the them. problem, with, true, but like that. <laughs> but a podcast <laughs> is not automatically interesting. You right. know what I mean? Just because it's in there next to the New York Times, the Daily, and but you the, know but ha, the, all the murder podcasts and stuff, it doesn't automatically be interesting. If you're passionate yeah. about an issue uh-huh. that the city of Eugene is working on, you should at least be able to tune in. To do, or even have the ability to find it. Right. And so even if you can't listen to it, right. the time that meeting has happened, the website if sucks. they submit <laughs> the digital commentary, right? Yeah. And then podcast, they can store it like Lane Council of Governance mm-hmm. already does on their YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. I need to follow up with them actually. But, um, <laughs> the, uh, okay. but the idea that it would then be there for them to interface with whenever, you know, making it accessible. Right. I know life is busy. I know there's a lot of other stuff to do. Sure. But 
I think having that resource, and then we could take transcripts of it, and then have minutes produced much quicker than they I believe in are. that. I believe in that for sure. I just think that um, a middle ground thing could be a better summarizing, like summarized and good looking would, graphics. Would summarize right that that gets into the challenge of you know not omitting certain voices and not re- creating reductionist you know summaries or thing who's but on the committee i still think that the so, those the committees those co- are packed right now with industry interests hmm. with very few voices from the actual community that they're purportedly building for hmm. which is i mean luxury apartments y'all sure <laughs> property tax breaks Right. I believe in a, a mixed economy because you're talking about industry. You're talking about uh, you've sort of talked down about capitalists before. Um, and I believe in the mixed economy we live in, but that it has gone too far to a deregulated um, uh, crony, ca- crony capitalist situation. Um, and you've got this here. And I wanted to talk about this because this is such a positive statement. People before profit. But I also know that some people are going to see that as soon as they tune in and they're going to be like, I know what this guy's about. So, you know, thank you. Yeah. What do you think I about just... what do you think about the, the ideal economic solutions maybe for Eugene? But but we got to think also probably bigger than that. If we're talking about what's really going to change and make this is a phrase people use a lot, make the economy work for us, work for everyday people. And so are you are, do you have sympathy for socialism? Socialism is a very weighted word. Yes, it is. I have appreciation for programs and models that are geared towards developing and building the community if a government is going to run them. Because that, I think, is the most fundamentally important part of a governmental entity. To make sure that, like... I should have put Do Not Disturb on. But yeah, to make sure that the community is... Sorry, uh, the audio people are... They, we, deafened? No, 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 the audio people are getting the benefit of the fact that um, we didn't just get interrupted a little bit. I forgot to put Do Not Disturb on, and... But last time I tried this, uh, let me just actually turn cell data off. Um, do you want to make up a fake advertisement for a fake product and pitch it right now into the mic? While I'm doing this? Oh, yeah. I've got a real product. Okay. Talk about it. So, hey, y'all. I am very concerned about food security. Base Mavlovian needs are under jeopardy constantly. They're leveraging facts so that way we are put and pitted against one another when we share a lot more in common than we've been told we don't. One way I want to help bring that together is by introducing an urban microgrange to Eugene. Through these urban microgranges, we can create repositories, like granges from back in the day, but on a smaller, decentralized scale, based out of community centers or other neighborhood partners that can not only provide resources to help urban homesteading and permaculture on an individual and neighborhood level, but they can provide classes through the Oregon State University Extension Service, as well as centralizing and cutting down the carbon footprint of getting those gardening needs to the people. Amazing. <laughs> can people can people find out is there a place people can read more about or learn more about 
what you just put forward? I've only got a little blurb about it on my campaign page right now. If folks want to reach out to me, um, youkformayor.com has a contact place. I'm also going to be putting things in my YouTube channel, also Uke for Mayor. Right on. <laughs> and uh, about my platforms and some more of the details that uh, that I see being able to make my ideas happen because I try to vet stuff before I put it out there. Or if nothing else, sure. get, you know, like, oh, yeah, well, you're you right. ran with that really well, and I just threw that idea at you. <laughs> no, it's great, because here's my alternative. Here's the business that I'm putting forward. Hip-hop ramen shop, Rapa Ramen. You can have freestyle wraps and delicious tonkotsu pork broth ramen in the same room. Boom! Let's go, baby! Tonkotsu. 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 Sorry. They're very different. Tonkotsu is the is that oh, yeah, like ton- white pork broth ramen. Tonkatsu is the breaded cutlet. The breaded pork cutlet yeah, over rice yeah, yeah, with the delicious sauce. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, man. Well, it's been really fun, and it's an hour and twenty four minutes in so far. But uh, but um, we haven't even talked about like your sustainability interest and in, and in your platform, which is the very top of your of your the Green New Deal for Eugene. So what do you want to do with that, and why do you think it's important, man? So The air looks fine. We still get snow. There's no global warming. <laughs> We're just Oregon, too. What about... And their pollution. Yeah, yeah. I hear that because of xenophobia, y'all. All and right. I gotta be like, well, we gotta look at per capita, right? Mm-hmm. And while our per capita is not necessarily as much as other states even, right? Mm. Like, Texas is really bad, y'all. Okay. But, uh, but the idea that we're losing 3,000 logging jobs by 2027. This mm. is not something that Timber Unity is addressing. Hmm. The fact that our economy is completely shifting, especially as our rivers dry up, get okay. too hot for salmon to spawn. Mm. We're losing, I mean, fishing has been shut down. Yeah. And so the idea of bringing more industry to Oregon has been something I've been passionate about. Like okay. one of one reason why I actually was an organizer on the Measure Ninety One campaign mm. is because I want industrial hemp to take over the grass seed farming in Lynn County. Okay, then we could not only have seed for food, we could have fiber to replace all the logging fiber that we no longer have. Hmm. We could start making like toilet paper here again, right? Right, or even just rendering down the cellulose in that for sure. biofuels. Okay. As shit happens, right? Yeah. There's even there's even oh my gosh, I saw this article I need to read more about about a cannabis battery. Right. Whoa. Because energy storage is the other huge factor <laughs> about alternative it energy models. It's like the lithium ion, would it? Where we would hope the... we need to do wow. the research to replace lithium. Okay. Try to find ways that we have less intensive like materials and pieces going into these new areas we want to try exploring because if we still build on those old exploitative models Mm. we'll still be dependent upon a lot of the antiquated notions that we need to move past Mm. that we haven't as folk are feeling now oh so deeply like i think that's really um wise and long-term thinking and prescient um, Until yeah, and, I'm sorry, and, uh, but, New Green Deal for sure. Right, so. right. I want to say, well, here's a good. I got a good segue into that because um, I think that it'd be amazing to have a mayor of Eugene who drives a fully electric vehicle 
And um, I believe deeply that when I work my butt off at my jobs and I make my hard earned like, you know, pennies, uh, I don't want to spend a bunch of them at the petroleum stations. I don't want to go and support those industries when I know that large scale, my money is going straight into, you know, the exploitation uh, of well, well, like Chevron, and, and right? offshore drilling and Chevron knew destabilizing about communities in, in African countries and Shell, Nigeria. Um, so I don't dig that. And so I was like, well, this is going to be really hard to afford, but I ended up getting a fully electric vehicle um, and the interest payment sucks. So now I'm giving a bunch of money to uh, Chase Bank. Uh, <laughs> don't, it's hard. Don't, don't, don't ever buy a new car on lease unless there's huge tax breaks. Right. Um, so, but I feel better than I would by buying gas. And that's just, you know, I, I'm not judging other people. But when you say you're going to make cannabis batteries, I'm like, I want to put wax in my ear and say, there's nothing wrong with lithium. There's nothing wrong with lithium. Because already it's hard to operate, you know. Uh, I can't I can't get my car fe- very far without recharging, yeah. you know. And so um, actually I want to slap some solar panels on community centers, on everything with a roof, nice. partner with LTD. Yeah, talk about your GND my, idea. Right. Local yeah, so, GND. I mean, I, I do drive a petrol gasoline vehicle, sure, but it's a 97 Kia. Okay. It still drives. There was still a lot of carbon and other inputs that went into making that car. Mm. Since I can still drive it, I don't <clears throat> necessarily feel like I need to replace it mm. just because that increases my carbon footprint mm-hmm. since I'm consuming something else that... Mm-hmm. Wasn't made here, right? Right. Like, I mean, if I get an Arkhamoto someday, that'd be pretty rad. I'd be all like, yeah. yeah, Eugene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, um, and so, yeah, anyway, Green New Deal. And so, yeah, electric vehicles, right? There's yep. a definite push for that. Uh, three, you want all city, all city vehicles push- to be electric, right? Oh, my or- God. Oh, gosh, yeah. That'd be shiny. <laughs> I've been pushing that for a little bit. We've and got think- some very spe- specific, like, giant trucks that do very industrial looking things that I don't understand particularly well. Those, I don't know if we can get there all that quickly. We totally can. Cybertruck. Okay. Cybertruck. Yeah. Cybertruck's power is amazing. I'm hyped about the Cybertruck for sure. And so, I mean, the thing is, uh, seeing those meter vehicles, the parking Mm -hmm. patrol folk, Switch to electric is rad mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I've been talking about the this a little bit, buses right? with Ride Zero. I mean, I, I'm, I, I, don't, I don't like those necessarily so much because okay. we need to actually be using public transit money that's cutting down carbon footprints to help our arterial communities that are suffering okay, the so most not from just lack downtown. of mobility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, not no just worries. downtown. Sorry, <laughs> quick yeah, way yeah. to say it. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, it's good. It's good uh, city lingo. If people look up arterial communities. It's just like the arteries <laughs> in your veins. Yeah, the bigger you know, River Road, Coburg Road, uh, you know, West Eleventh. Yeah. And so um, yeah. I mean the the idea that we're pushing for more green vehicles is rad. Um, I I've, I've been talking about a little bit like just even, wow. I mean, cause I was at Lane Community College, right? The yep. way I was able to be able to talk as well as I do now, I okay. was very, very introverted. Okay. But, uh, by, I mean, I, I started actually, sorry, y'all, to offend anyone, I started with Osberg. Okay. Started with Osberg and, uh, O-S-P-I-R-G. The Oregon Student Public Interest Research Group. Mm-hmm. I was their hunger and homelessness campaign coordinator. Okay. Also a board member of them, right? Mm-hmm. But the best way I was able to engage folk was by, like, Drinking a rock star, going out and talking to the bus stop, right? Okay. You know, like, hey, how y'all doing? Like, you yeah, should yeah. check this out. This is really important, right? Yeah, yeah. No matter what campaign it was, because uh-huh. like, it was all pretty important, right? Right, right. And so, yeah, um, 
It was very helpful. But then being able to go and talk like that, right? As 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 a as an elected representative, student, as stakeholders at Lane Community College, yeah, I wanted to make sure that I was representing their interest in being able to not only feel like they had a voice, yes, but that there was an out for them, even if they didn't want to go to a four year after that, right? Right on. Like in, uh, oh, I believe in the, that very ardently. Yeah, and so like I was trying to talk with um folks out there to convert vehicles over to biodiesel, right? Mm-hmm. Because sequential is located right up there. Okay. And they're a Oregon-based biodiesel company yeah. that buys feedstock for their biofuel from yeah. Oregon farmers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then we would create the system, right? Yeah. Where not only would That's there be the demand That's kind of in that Goshen, Goshen area, right? Yeah. And yeah, I mean, uh, and so that, it was hard just because there's a lot of pushback against the cars that people were driving okay. just because of the acidity of bioethanol. Mm-hmm. And so that was something that we couldn't find funding to actually do the full on upgrades, right? Mm-hmm. To make that something that could be like a program out there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, through that, I'm like, wow, we just installed these new solar panels up on top of the thingy, right? That parking structure is huge. It's got a let's, pretty cool green roof. Let's slap some more solar panels on everything. Right? Yeah. yeah. Expensive. Then, not but... really. The price is going down huge. Okay. And then when we... And then when we create a solar panel and battery factory mm-hmm. in the old Heinex plant with state partners and other folks mm-hmm. interested in actually investing and moving forward with a new green deal, mm. right? Mm. Like here is a place to invest and move forward. Mm. It's got shipping, clean rooms, manufacturing. Right. And people are talking about the new green deal, I think, right? And green so new then, deal, yeah. Sorry, yeah. It happens. And, uh, um, I mean, yeah. Do you ever feel a little bit of dissonance in that, uh, well, but the, then, the, then, then, there's then, two then, Asian Americans here. we slap solar panels on okay. everything and then create microgrids at community centers and then also LTD parking rides hmm. that then have EV plugs. Mm-hmm. Swag. Because <laughs> we already know that they're located. We need a fast charger in, in town. We don't have it. You know, I obviously drive one, so it's like, a fast charger isn't even like the fastest thing ever. It takes 30 to 40 minutes to fill up my, my whole battery. Um, but uh, the other fastest chargers that we have in town are these level two chargers that take three or four hours and they tend to be tucked away in low visibility areas. We need to have uh, high visibility, fast chargers, DC power converted outside of the car, go straight into the car, you know, for people that are traveling through Eugene. There's, uh, there's Vanita has one, Springfield has one, but we don't have one in Eugene. Yep. Yep. Salem has about eight. I was saying for a while they have six. I saw that loop that Elon Musk was trying to throw down to make sure that his Teslas would have that Mm cross-country capability. Because, I mean, as as Lex Luthorian, (laughs) 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 he might be, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the fact that he does want to bring that whole electrical revolution Mm -hmm. to the people, right, Mm -hmm. is is pretty rad and commendable. Mm -hmm. Right. And merely the financial barrier of capital, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's hard to approach, but uh, that's well, what we need to build batteries here. I love it. Um, but Asians. So one thing I've told people <laughs> is I want to ask like political folks about music, and I want to ask musical folks about politics. And so, music, right? There's the yeah. question. 
Um, but really, live music in Eugene is a deep, deeply important part of our community. I don't want to see more of it. I personally want to see live music, at least a little bit of it, at every city council meeting. I think that that would be really fun and inviting. Um, and people are like, why is that necessary? I'm like, look, look at communities that have understood schools, indigenous communities understand that like you can bring live music into governmental spaces where decisions are being made and it's just it's just better. It's just better and it affirms the value of something that we like to brag about and talk about. Oh, Eugene, such a great place for artists. Yeah, how so? Why is it that the most recent mayor's art show, you know, you look around, there's one painting of a person of color in the far back corner and everything else it's kind of i mean the, you, there's so much classism and racism in and so the one, world of high art come on one way i want to remove that barrier right mm -hmm. um is investing in some of the vacant spaces that we might have with a fund mm. generated off of lodging tax for the upcoming track trials okay. because there's going to be a lot of money coming in right as we were talking about earlier Right, and these spaces would be reservable. I sure hope that it, we've free, got right? COVID under control but for like, that shit to happen. Well, I mean, yeah, that's if why it, we're on lockdown till like. I mean, the schools yeah. got shut down till April twenty eighth, man. Yeah, they, I, I, Governor Brown pushed that. That's fucking uh, hectic. April 28th. I, I, yeah. I got a ten year old, right? It's, yeah, right? I mean, I already do a lot of. I already do most of the homework with them anyway, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, I've already that's got a good cool. grasp on Common Core and like all that stuff. The mm -hmm. Learnzillian pedagogy is very annoying because they're trying to teach different models that I never learned, right? Okay. About like math and whatnot. But it was like, well, okay. Um, I want to make sure that he can integrate into the public schooling pedagogy that he is currently under. But I want to mm. make sure that he's learning what he needs to learn too, right? Yeah. Digression aside, um Yeah, no, the uh the idea of creating those spaces, right? Off that fund, or maybe partnering with existing spaces and then subsidizing them, right? Cause most folks that are artists or even have studios Mm -hmm. generally aren't you know they don't talk about their day job right right <laughs> they don't talk about their day job yeah and so uh and so helping subsidize those spaces when they're, they are at their day job would help creativity remove that prohibitive privilege barrier mm -hmm. and then also bring artists together mm. right mm. have them start talking to each other again doing more jams right what's one of the best concerts, and shit. what's one of the best live music experiences you've had let's say in eugene i could start tech nine always rips it he is an amazing rapper from kansas city and he has got love for eugene Special love yeah. yeah yeah and he's come to mcdonald theater a bunch of times and he always shuts shit down oh man i don't know the um uh you like Eugene, you, I've, I've been here since '96, and so there were a lot of acts ah, that used to roll. Ah, year. <laughs> yeah, I'm also older than you though, too. So I know, I a little know. bit, a little bit. You're 31. <laughs> I'm 26. Right? Oh, not 31. No, no a little no? older. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why I have to, somebody I talked to was definitely 31 recently. <laughs> what are you? 36? A little older. Okay. Right on. <laughs> 38. Cool. Okay, I, right I turned on. 38 in March. Yeah, it's freaking hectic. That explains why you've got all this great experience. Some knowledge too. Yeah. Yeah. Along the way and shit, and just seeing how pieces can fit together yeah i've seen a, i've seen a lot of pieces of eugene y'all yes, <laughs> you yes you and have so, uh, but yeah until like one of the like it was the first big act i think i saw in eugene was better than ezra wow that's cool they were at the wow hall 
Oh my gosh! Fuck yeah! <laughs> like wow, Hall has had so many awesome artists. Yeah, and so I mean that was that was pretty epic, right? Just because like wow, this is a big band, and the whole yeah. Schoolhouse Rock album just came out, right? Okay, Junction Junction, what's your, your function? function? <laughs> phrase and thoughts, yeah, and so on. Um, <laughs> it, it was epic, right? Or if but, your um, Family Guy, you say Vagina Junction, what's your funk? Oh, I'm not gonna finish it. I'm really not. <laughs> But yeah, until, I, as I think about that, I'm like, okay, our electability is going to drop if I finish that song. That show is huge. Because um, people's bodies have mar- far more function than just reproduction. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I don't do Family Guy much, y'all. Sorry. I, I, I can't quite this connect on that. This podcast is over. It's been a pleasure. Uh, no, I, I do love, I do love <laughs> Family Guy. I do love it. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm a sucker right now for all those CW fucking hero shows, right? Okay. As silly as those stories are, right? Okay. I'm like... I'm, I'm watching some soap operas, but they got superheroes, man. Like metahumans. <laughs> it's fucking rad, right? That, yeah. that is my language. There you like, go. Like, well, not the most avid DV, or sorry, DC kid growing up, okay. right? Like, still. Like, mm-hmm. they're on my TV. Good for you, dog. <laughs> That's really cool. But, um, yeah, the, uh, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, Beck, he played at the EMU ballroom right after Devil's really? Haircut came out. We were so close to the stage. Yeah, and that's the thing about the Wow that's Hall too. Sick. We were Dude. so close to the stage, and then Artists MC Chris. You remember MC playing. Chris? Of course, I. Yeah, yeah. Do yeah. you remember? That guy loves his fans. He went to, yeah, that uh-huh. first show to Transformers. Okay, he took that Wow Hall. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah. Oh oh. I shit. knew I would get oh, you hyped if we oh, talk music. Shit. I knew I, mean, I would get um, you hyped. And I mean, then they might be giant first show. I'm right. also a nerd and geek. Well, right? here's here's yeah, a lane that you know oh, God, you're not maybe a country <laughs> person. But I love country music. Garth Brooks came and played at Autzen Stadium, and we had spillover crowd from people on the outside, and he was just shrieking between songs. He was like, because everybody was so happy to see him. Granted, maybe not a not a lot of Eugenians, or maybe a lot of them, but like you know, people from all around come to see Garth Brooks well, at Autzen Stadium. We we, we, yeah. we just don't see him. Okay. <laughs> we and, just don't see him normally. And, uh, you know, fucking great. And uh, he just was being like, are you guys going to do this the whole night? Oh, my Lord. You know, because people were just so hyped to see him. And that's what I love about Eugene is that it's a market where people get people get love. I've seen shows at Madison Square Garden when I was living in New York and grad school at Columbia. And it's just people are of course they're excited because it's an arena show but they are so used to it people are used to seeing these a-list celebrities celebrities and walking around you know midtown and the fi die and everywhere so it's like in eugene i love that people people Float all right know when someone Cuthbert. when someone huge is coming to the <laughs> the holt or the cuthbert or uh, even mcdonald theater people know people know and they get excited about it. And I've loved seeing more shows happening at Autzen. Yeah. Well, and I mean, right now, so we were talking about live music being such a huge thing. Yeah. Sessions Music Hall is working sure. with some folks to broadcast live music. Really? During this COVID-19 shutdown. Oh, I heard. Ooh. I heard. So uh, Sessions Music Hall here in Eugene, yeah? City Manager Maderi was talking at the emergency meeting yesterday about uh, Holt Center was thinking about doing that. I didn't know that no. Sessions was going to do that. Yeah, they've. Yeah. Um, I can't remember if they started already. My friend Dylan and I were. He was like making fun of it, and he was just like, "I was just thinking, like, okay, what's the point of it being at the Holt Center if no one's there? The Holt Center is like a communal communal gathering space that's beautiful, but literally it could just be in a living room 
if it's being if the point of it is that it's being broadcast. But but for sessions to do it, I think that sounds awesome. Well, I mean, because I've they, been on that stage with Bob. Bob. Bob, the rapper that got headlines for supporting Flat Earth. Uh, <laughs> he made a song called Flatline dissing N- Neil deGrasse Tyson, the astrophysicist. <laughs> I love I love seeing your face when I talk about this, but uh, yeah, dude, I saw his show and he's amazing. He's dope. Been a fan of him since 2010. Don't diss. He loves, he loves Nothing it. on you featuring Bruno Mars is a great fucking song. The whole Strange Clouds album. Get featuring Bruno. Get out of my face. Featuring Br- what? Yeah, he dude. Featured Bruno Mars. Yeah, flat Earth thing. Yeah. <laughs> what? The song was not about flat Earth. Okay. 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 You're so intolerant. I am um, because oh, I'm I'm I am so grateful that we have the breadth and depth of human knowledge at our fingertips. Right, the fact that folk isolate what they are listening or looking at just so that it matches their bias is something that is completely encouraged by our current political structure especially by allowing them to consolidate so much mainstream media, right? And so sure. um, that's the thing. Thinking right. about like, okay. I don't know if Register Guard's going to endorse me because I've talked way sh- so much shit about mainstream corporate media. And I th- again, I think that they're not the worst of the worst, but it's fucking Gatehouse, man. Dallas, Texas is where we're sending our money when we subscribe to them. Well, that's the problem with the consolidation. Mm-hmm. KEV9 and KVAL are... Owned by Sinclair. <laughs> like, wait. <laughs> wait <laughs> Isn't really? it KMTR also? Oh, I, no, no. KMTR is still separate. Okay. I'm pretty sure. I, I I don't know. It's been a while since I looked at it. Right. I'm like, sure. upset. <laughs> I, yep. I don't, don't want to make myself That's more why upset, I love right? podcasts. You get deep into it. None okay. of those motherfuckers are listening to this at this point. So we could say anything. <laughs> oh, no. If, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. It doesn't make it. Uh, yeah. You know, it's... It's interesting. I can see the analytics. So I know that a couple people do really watch all the way through, but that could just mean they leave it on, etc. In the um, background, like a podcast, which is what we need to do for city council meetings, because something interesting comes up, then go, oh, well, rewind. Yeah. Right? I mean. There you go. Again, like right now, I've not been listening to too much music, right? Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, it's 510? It is 510. How long have we been doing this? <laughs> We've been doing this for an hour and 45 minutes and 16 seconds, 17 seconds, 18 seconds. And Matthew Uke, what a pleasure it's been. Unless you have anything else you want to talk about, I do want to ask you the titular question of the show. Uh-oh. What's one way we could all be less stupid? Listening to other people. You're not the first person to say that. We can't think that... I mean, I can't say what we can't think, because we all think what we think, right? Okay. We can't thought police. We've got to understand that even if we think it, other folk don't. And so figuring out where people can meet, where we can agree on what needs to happen or what is happening is the best way to go about it. Which is why I like my intolerance of flat earth, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, you, ju- you just go to Florence, look at the coast, you will see that it's got a mild curvature. So you have to assume that curvature continues. And that we are on a sphere. Also, yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, that's why, like, I, I get these pained expressions, right? Because, like, right. I understand that people have their own beliefs. Right. I want to respect their beliefs. But if they're going to just remain woe 
willfully. Sorry, not willfully. Willfully is very judgmental. Mm-hmm. And which is why I don't want to say ignorance is a judgmental thing, right? Okay. Ignorance is me saying you've been presented with these facts and this evidence. While they might not fit your bias, are you actually trying to listen to them or are you just trying to prove them wrong? I'm mm-hmm. that reactionary. I'm right. That reactionary. I'm being attacked. And so, uh, well, I think it's a real struggle when, okay, yes, scientific data and facts are very, <laughs> very, very important, right? But people on the left, I will say, will share things that are supposedly credible, and then you find out later that, you know, okay, is CNN credible? Yes, yes, if you're on the left, but no, if you're on the right. Well, no, they're biased. Biased, indeed. Which is the thing, like, my credible news sources I go Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm, are are Democracy Now and Counterspin. Okay. Along with other I've never heard of that, KPF but I saw Democracy a- Now on your phone. Along My dad's with other met KPF Amy videos. Goodman. Amy Goodman rocks. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, like, I go mainly for sources that interview people that are actually working on the front lines. Cool. Interview professors that have That's studied cool. it as opposed to pundits and politicians sure. platforming. Which I mean, the problem of mainstream media, right? right there the problem of CNN to oversimplify. And, and so, yeah, I mean, yeah, which is why, like, looking for those independent news sources that actually interview the people doing that work. That's dope. Zinian, right? Yeah. Zinian fucking motive of of people's history. I people's like narrative and shit. I like that. Like a people's history of Eugene, Oregon. That's what this was. That's what this campaign's about. Yeah. That's dog. what our campaigns are about. Thank you. Fucking people's for, history. For taking the time to sit yeah. down with me, welcoming me here, keeping my two bags of wontons frozen in the fridge I just got from uh, fucking Costco. Let's go. I don't know why I keep doing this, but I really like doing this, so it's dope. Because and I just uh, talked a lot on this episode about acronyms. And I just get this high energy vibe when I'm with you, dog. Thank you. And I'll see you more on the campaign trail. We'll try to do more things to make candidate forum like opportunities happen. Right? Because so much stuff's getting canceled because of COVID. For sure. There's um a deep dive in some emails I need to write uh, earlier today. <laughs> Let's do it, man. But like, uh, write your emails. We, we, we need to do some music shit too sometime. Yeah. 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 yeah that'd yeah. be a lot of fun. All right. Some musical mayoral mishaps. <laughs> Three M's. Oh, melodiousness. Take it easy, y'all. <laughs> Peace.